Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right, welcome to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. We have a a great guest on the show today. We're going to welcome Osiris Santos. He's head of product and innovation for American Made. And, you know, hopefully throughout this next hour, you're going to get to hear a little bit of a different angle from from Osiris and how he integrates cannabis into his life, as well as a little bit about the company he works for. Hey, man, Osiris, it took us a minute to get together, but I appreciate you jumping on the show, man. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you do and, and what sets American Made off a little different than say most of the companies that are out there right now? Um, well, American made is a interesting company. It, uh, it's a vertically integrated company. So we do pretty much everything you can think of in the cannabis space from, um, multiple retail operations to cultivation. Um, we recently started a new brand called Hotbox. Um, it's a it's a flower brand. It's a smokables brand. We have flower. Uh, we have a few other products um, coming out: concentrates and vapes. Uh, anything you can smoke. <laughs> it's, it's all smokables. Um, and yeah, so we're we basically came. From, we were kind of birthed out of one operator owning a store, which uh, the original store was called Hotbox, and that's kind of the nostalgia in the name. Um, and, uh, and he's grown pretty big and now now has this vertical, vertically integrated, like ecosystem, uh, that we created a group to, to support it, um, from having, uh, you know, just building out a company to have different verticals to, to manage marketing. Um, I come from a very design heavy background from designing, beautiful things like graphic design uh, in the beginning of my career to marketing and uh, also doing a lot of UX and product design. Um, So that was kind of one of the unique ways I got into uh, the cannabis industry. So when, when you stumble across like a business like this and it's, you know, one of the reasons why I was excited to talk with you because not, there's not a lot of these episodes in the state of California. They exist outside the state. um, But it's a tricky navigation to be able to pick up the ability to do retail as well as develop your own brand, as well as, you know, kind of the whole vertical component. When you kind of stumbled, when you kind of came up on the company, you went to work for them, having come from the background, which I'd love to have you drop a few names of who you've worked (laughs) with, but how do you take that approach in a, in a more, like, how do you take what you learned in the traditional world and apply it to what's going on here? Cause it's, you do have a lot of moving pieces that you have to consider, um, both in the brand space as well as the dispensary space. Yeah, I. So, coming from a design background and then uh, and marketing, uh, everything really for in that is just you know when you uh, a lot of people think of design as you know people that just come and make things pretty or make things look great, but it's it's. Uh, it's kind of a full scope thing where it's, it's about how it makes people feel. It's about the story you tell. 
It's um, it's about how great you make things function. And in this industry, uh, you know, we've been constantly in in a constant evolution in many sides of the industry, um, from the recreational side to the medical to to the business in general of how people operate. Um, you know, we have regulations constantly changing. So uh, coming in from a product and like UX background, whereas UX is user experience, um, it's kind of just understanding a, a totally different product. Because as a designer, you're if if you flex like if if you practice design heavily, you're gonna work with a lot of products within your career, hopefully. And you know every product is a little different, but it's it's still a product. You're just trying to understand the psychology of the audience that's there and how to best serve them. So I'm gonna go ahead and 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 encourage you to. You know, you came from two pretty heavy-hitting companies, um, or at least that's what you told me, um, yeah. <laughs> Disney and EA, which, you know, yeah. they just did a big deal with Star Wars, and, you know, that was a, an interesting crisscross. But w- when you come from that level, right, where you have a lot of resources at your disposal, um, you have what I would consider a more stable environment, not just from the forward-facing consumer side, but, you know, pricing and distribution and to your point of regulations and you know it's not without saying that you guys came out of you're in san diego correct that's your guys's home base uh no i'm actually based out of la but i mean the company itself the the dispensaries that operate are out of san diego which is some of the hardest yes the harshest or at least the least to jump on the wagon out of the whole state of california when everything was going legal uh san diego kind of held back a little bit and and did it a little bit different than most people so how do you go from how do you go from EA and Disney, if you will, atmosphere, environment, resources, to the cannabis space? What was your biggest uh, kind of eye-opening experience when it came to taking those traditional tools to a somewhat non-traditional space? So, actually, it's a, it's a good point you bring up about like a lot of <laughs> these roadblocks and frustrations, um, or just pain points in the industry. Uh, so. I was, I've been doing UX for quite a while and design and working for different, like I've, I've had a few startups of my own, some flopped, uh, there was like two that did okay. One, one did pretty good. Um, and, uh, and we had a good sell and, uh, then I went, I got kind of burnt out on startups after speeding them for so long and uh i wanted to check out what it was like to be in the big brand so i started working in um some medical companies and like doing ux for them and also some um, travel and leisure companies and from there i got i had started getting into cannabis then and thinking about the business because i actually moved here from florida Uh, i lived in miami um, I came from Hialeah. I grew up there. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, but uh, my I was I was learning about the cannabis business because Florida was planning on voting for it. And at the time, I was doing like I said, I was working for a travel company, and I was also um, I had you know I was always like doing my own businesses on the side. Uh, so I was partnered in a gym at the time. Uh, it was like a CrossFit and powerlifting gym. And uh, while I was thinking about the business, I kind of just 
uh, found a way. I was trying to think of like what I would start in the in the business. Like, how do I get in the business in Florida? And in doing that, I kind of partnered up with uh, a client out there that that's been a, fr- a good friend. We became friends through business, and he wanted to try something new. And I told him about cannabis, and we kind of just jumped on the the mission of just, let's figure out how to start a cannabis company in Florida. At the time, the law didn't pass. The law was on the bill. It didn't pass. And we had raised some money and we're like, well, we can't quit now. Some people didn't want to stay in and some people wanted to drop out or, or like stay stay in and see what we could do. So we just looked for opportunities anywhere. Um, we looked in like Boston at the time and, and California was kind of our best bet. So we started a cultivation facility out in the desert in Cathedral City. And that was my first introduction to cannabis. It was just coming in from not really knowing anything and, and just knowing a few investors and a little bit of the startup world and jumping in that way and started to grow. Um, and through that is how I met, uh, obviously, the network that I have in cannabis and how I got tied with this company. Um, I ended up parting ways from that company um, where I sold my piece in there because I didn't really do anything there besides like become a I kind of bootstrapped my way into the industry and you know invested what I had um, into starting this grow and had some uh, found some partners to join the ride so within that time I met um, the owner of this shop out here called Kushmart and uh he had a shop in downtown and that was the first project that kind of started like in the cannabis industry doing like design and marketing. I needed to help them with some, or they needed just some basic marketing help. Um, and from there it kind of just, I realized like there's not a lot of like design skill sets and marketing skill sets. This is like, uh, almost five years ago already. So like 2014. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So then we, he just started introducing me to other stores he had and the empire started growing there. And we, now it's, it became this bigger vertically integrated company. We stay, we've been very conservative and stayed very compliant to kind of last this long. Cause that's, that's another thing, right? It's like, um, there's been these waves of regulation that have hit and you kind of seen people disappear. Um, and luckily, we've been a very stable company and, you know, haven't like really uh, played on the dangerous sides like some of these companies. Would you say that, and I'm going to use a horrible gaming reference, but would you say like being in the cannabis, <laughs> being in the cannabis space is a lot like playing The Legend of Zelda where you keep doing a level and then you just you forget one piece of that level and you got to go all the way back to the beginning and do the whole level again. I feel like that's. When you talk about regulations, that's the wave that hits people is they'll do everything they think they're supposed to do. And then, bam, they get kind of sent back to the very beginning. Um, how, did, yeah. <laughs> how did that play into your guys' strategy? Because a lot of companies, to your point, what you were saying, dude, they just go hell's bells and just go a million miles an hour. And sometimes that works, but sometimes you end up driving right off a cliff. How do you pace yourself in, a, in an industry that everybody – doesn't go one day that I don't walk in somewhere that someone doesn't go, dude, how, what's up with cannabis? Like, how do I get in? What's going on? I mean, this is five years later, five years ago when I was jumping in, everybody told me I was crazy. I'm sure they told you the same thing. 
what, yeah. <laughs> what, how does that play into, I'm going to ask you a little business strategy. Then I want to pivot back to kind of where, you know, where your strengths are in the space, which is, you know, the UI and, and everything and the UX and the, and the whole experience, which I believe is one of the missing components of cannabis. But how, how do you, how does one like yourself and, you know, everybody that's listening, by the way, just got a really quick overview of how you start someplace in cannabis sometimes and you end up somewhere else, but you bring along and learn and build your book of business to where, bam, now you're five years later, which feels like 50 years later. And you're like (laughs) jamming along in a business. How do you guys know when to pump the brakes and when to stomp the gas? Like what's your trigger points for that kind of stuff? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how well I can, how deep I can go on that answer, how well I can answer that. But um, I mean, I think part of it is just having the discipline to remain pretty conservative on how you follow a lot of these rules. Cause you know, like something as simple as taxes that could bring down a lot of people. So, I mean, if you're not, you know, really paying attention to what's going on and also just uh, having the foresight to, um, to hire the right staffing, which takes, uh, in an industry where certain things didn't exist before and now they're starting to pop up, um, you know, being able to have a little foresight and, and, or be, or have the people to do the research and understand that, Hey, we're going this way. We need to hire these type of talents to, um, to just keep, keep going and, and keep evolving. Um, I think that's one strong point that we've had, um, like one strong asset that we've had. And we have a lot of um, talented people in our company that come from outside of the industry, um, which has been pretty helpful because you get a lot of different perspectives uh, coming into an industry that's uh, um, there's elements of, and I'm not trying to downplay it or anything, but like there's elements of like old culture that it's a little more laid back and, you know, it's, it's the, the business strategy is, is it wasn't the same back then. It was a little more hustle and just sell pounds. And, you know, it was a little, it wasn't as regulated where now everything has to be packaged and things like that. So um, I think it's really all in like the foresight of how you build out your team. Yeah. I, you know, I would get questioned about that all the time. Like how do you hire and you see some companies hire and you know that they're, they're like your, their brother-in-law that was, you know, took a class of marketing at a social, you know, and a social class at a Cabrillo, at a little college that's near you. And, and compared to guys like yourself who come in from the outside, like when I talk about hiring, you know, and I tell this to people all the time, we're hiring like we would, I am anyways. And I'm just, it sounds like you guys did as well, where you're looking for people that already have a book of business that understand the space and that actually play a, like a position on your team that's not being filled I think that's a real critical element because um, everybody wants to jump on the ride and everybody's excited about working for a cannabis company, but can they actually perform in the space when it's game time, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, and that just means you have to, I think one of the things that help you be successful is how fast can you adapt, um, especially coming out of, uh, you know, a, very systematic corporate structure that has its has its flow if you're there or not you know so when you guys are you know game planning or when you're when you're getting ready to to do you know 
marketing and, and innovative things for for American Made, what how are you trying to tempo against the 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 user, right? Because a lot of you see certain brands out there that and and you guys have a unique polarity in the sense that you have you're a brand as you have a brand that's out in market as well as you have a door that sells other brands. So you kind of get the testing of both sides. But when you're looking at um going after that customer, it seems to me that the ones that really understand who, you know, everybody has a mentality of like, I want to sell weed to everybody. And that's a great uh, approach. But when you're (laughs) thinking about a brand and what you're trying to accomplish, what aspects do you put into it? And how do you try to reverse engineer who you're trying to target for that brand? Let's speak about Hotbox a little bit. Okay. Um, So Hotbox, you know, that came out of a, what was great about it to us, it was just that uh, Hotbox is a nostalgic time. So in the perspective of how you mentioned, like just in the light of, of, of trying to market to everyone, um, that's kind of something that applies to a lot of people, like a huge age range and, and, and gap of people. Um, we basically focus on 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 that part of the nostalgia maybe that's a little bit of my disney background you know focus on nostalgia um but uh but because hotbox was kind of like a first time um for the operator in the sense of like that was that was the first store um and for a lot of people hotboxing is is typically like a first time experience or it's a very memorable experience your first time we wanted to tap into something that a tapped on nostalgia so it gave you kind of like the feel-good vibes that you know that are really relevant to weed and also um the more serious side of what we focus on is um being our background and understanding like regulation and being conservative and also trying to uh understand the customer and what they want to purchase is also uh focusing on providing a good quality product and i know that's like gets blurted all the time um but we grow it so we know what a good quality product looks like because our hands touch it um and that's an important thing because uh (laughs) not to blow anyone up and it's just not everyone grows wheat like not everyone grows flour like that's not a common thing across brands um brands you know that there's a lot of companies are just brands um, they source flour, and so we try to focus on the on on the quality of the product as well. Um, because what if what if you're a brand and you can't get good flour anymore? Um, how strong is your brand going to be? Because it's going to be partial brand in this business um, to get heard and and make a connection. But then your product also has to be good, you know. I think uh, I think you're dead on in the fact that there is a lot of what you would say is white label brands, which no, no harm and foul. You know what I mean? Like those, those are good things and we need them, but I think there is a little something to, and you're seeing it more and more where people are building what we call and not any way, shape or form. Is it a reflection of your actual business level, but small batch style operations where, you know, you can run a brand and, you know, if you have access to $50 million worth of cannabis, you got that brand going, right? But if you're doing what you're doing, you can only grow and turn so fast based on consumption. So it is a lot of the feel, you know, I think where I'm seeing and a lot of people have discussed is 
what are when do you think we'll see brand connectivity actually happen? I mean, somebody that you know, I haven't had a chance to have somebody on the show like yourself where you mentioned Disney, you mentioned EA. Those are two companies that really focus on building a relationship with the product line that they're developing, and there's an emotional attachment to that. That seems to be your biggest asset from what I can gather. How do you do that with a cannabis brand when people are looking cross-eyed half the time and there's so many different branding elements taking place? How do you win that customer? What, what do you do differently? Um, you've already spoke to the, the fact that you touch the product and you know what's coming on. Like Now how do you get them interested? I mean, Hotbox... We've all done it. How does it get to the next yeah. step towards in somebody's pocket? So, you know, and that's that's where, like, um, mastering the value proposition works, right? Like, or happens because um, it's not just the brand and how, how cool or, or cute it looks. It's also, like I said, it's your product, um, how you communicate that, and also how you align yourself with, uh, with, the, more, with the consumer looking for, um, a good quality product. Um, one thing that we've done as well that, that kind of helps out, and it's also a new thing that we have to educate more about, is uh, have you heard of EnviroCan or any of these uh, third-party certifications coming out right now? Shout out to EnviroCan and Ian for uh, getting involved with you guys, it sounds like. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's one. that's one partial strategy that we use just... Um, explain that a little important. bit though. I don't want you to glaze over that. That's an important okay. thing. I think in our industry that a lot of people are failing to really grasp, give Thanks them for highlighting that. Absolutely, um, bro. I've been a big fan of it since jump when, you know, he's in Santa Cruz, I'm in Santa Cruz. So we know each other really well, but tell me a little bit why you made that choice or why the company um, made that choice. Well, the company made that choice. I, um, it's a, it's a stamp of approval. I mean, if if we could, which we can't right now, because it's it's a federal thing to be an organic brand, um, we would be an organic brand. But uh, that's a that's a federal certification. So luckily, there's companies like EnviroCan, and there's a few others around the country I've noticed um, trying to take on that fight, which is great. Um, but there needs to be education about it. And what they do is they certify your business and operation. Um, as a as a clean and safe uh, safe company to purchase any product from, um, they have an organic certification. They also certify retail, um, so it's a good symbol to look for to kind of understand um, who's taking the responsibility because it is an undertaking for the business as well to potentially change their process and how they grow. Um, and which which uh, supplements and and anything that they put into the flower that kind of certifies that there's no harmful anything going into your product, which you know um, I don't I, I honestly don't know how how popular it is right now, but I know back in the day when uh, I first jumped into the industry, buds looked like ridiculous, like they were the size of fists, and you know there was like tons of steroids and different things in in flower. Um, so having a certification like this kind of, um, certifies that you're not using anything harmful for your body. So it's like, if you care about your food, which, you know, cannabis is, it's not food, but it's something that you put into your body. I mean, it's, it should take the same level of care in, in that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think yeah. for a long time and thank you for that. I think it helps and people, 
again, like this is an organic shout out to them. If you Google them, I'll make sure you put it in the in the yeah, blog totally post afterwards. For this. They are. I mean, I just think it's awesome that they exist. Well, and it and it comes from people. You know, it comes partially, I think, from people wanting to have that stamp of approval, but also partly, I think, we're in an industry, oddly enough, and I hope we can keep it this way for a longer period of time than shorter. But people care. People actually want, there's people like yourself who you're not being forced. There's no regulation for you. There's been no mandate that said, hey, you got to have the stamp of approval in order to, to do this. You're doing it because you want to produce a better product that's safe for the customer and possibly the patient on top of that. So I commend that. And I think more people should demand it. And I think the educational component is a slow roll because there's so much noise. But I think. Totally. People and, like and your, a, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh no! I was just saying to that point on on your point on branding is just there needs to be more efforts like this to kind of drown out the noise because everything is about you know it's there's a lot of similar stories. There's only so much <laughs> so much you can uh, change about a certain narrative, but um, yeah, just th- this is what changes their narrative. It's like what are you doing to be responsible with things that you're putting in my body, like you know. Well, and, and listen, man, I know that I've personally consumed probably gallons of miracle Grow in my life, <laughs> you know, uh, in, including mold. And I mean, we've all, if you're in the totally. space, if you jumped in early, there's a really good chance you either grew at some level or you were a duffel bag person. I don't want to say boy or girl, but you were involved in some transactional level, even if it was selling, you know, eights on the corner after you bought an ounce for yourself regardless, like we're, we're entering a phase in time where we're actually getting ahead of this. Um, it took us a hundred years to realize, Hey, don't put lead in wine and don't do this with alcohol. Like to go, Oh wow, that's really bad for us. Let's change how we do that. We're actually kind of preventatively or proactively, um, trying to establish our own standards, um, without any, which I think helps. Do you think that helps regulation down the road? I mean, when, when we self govern, I, I think it, I think so because, um, you know, if it's anything like the music industry, it's like, you gotta come, you gotta come prepared. You gotta come with, uh, you gotta come with the band already like put together. You gotta, it's nice if you have an audience that understands what you're talking about to have some support. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the responsibility we have to take if we want to make this acceptable everywhere i mean there is a lot of education i mean we're we're people don't realize like uh we're technically like in the middle of what it took pro- uh alcohol prohibition to to happen um we're, we're only halfway through what that took so i think uh um there's yeah there's a lot of education that needs to be done talk to me about osiris in a day when he's using cannabis what is what does that look like i'm using cannabis <laughs> yeah 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 like when do you when do you use do you you smoke weed right i do all right so how do, do you prefer joints do you i i have like different things I, for different reasons what's your what's your makeup my preference uh, is gonna be a joint i love rolling joints i i am a i am a craftsman of uh, in many things and joints is one of those things that I really love doing. That's funny, man. You know, I ask that question of everybody because I want to know, you know, what people do during the day, you know, like, some, totally. I, like I'll vape, you know, when I'm working and doing whatever. And then dude, like 
have to me smoking a joint with somebody is like cracking a beer or going to the bar. Like when I get a chance to smoke a joint, I almost am guaranteed great conversation and if nothing else, like a nice joint. And it's helpful when you have somebody that's a, I'm looking forward to one of your craftsman joints uh, in the future. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I got you. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I've been, uh, yeah, no, I just like it. Even sometimes I take breaks where it's like a month or four months and I'll just like just to kind of cleanse or something. And uh, yeah, in that time when I'm not smoking, if there's people smoking around me, I'll still roll their joints. What? It, that's awesome. Thank you for that. You should get a, <laughs> there should be a button that you get to wear like official, <laughs> official joint roller, you know? Did you see that thing? Do you follow basketball at all? I, I, you know, it's funny. Um, so I, I don't, I don't really follow sports. Um, but I did when, uh, EA, I was definitely, I was at EA sports. <laughs> well, I was just going to say Swaggy P just threw Kerr out under the bus. He said, you know, Kerr's like the best blunt roller in the whole NBA. Um, we just gave him that kudos. So go check that out. I think it's pretty funny how sports, funny. sports and cannabis are starting to kind of be synonymous and which is kind of what leads me to the next like kind of direction I want to go. It's like, we're in a space where it, you know, when we used to do business, we'd go have a lunch. Maybe we have a cocktail or three, depending on the type of lunch it was and business. And that was cool. But if you stepped out to smoke a joint or pull the vape out in the middle of that meeting, you're done. And I just interviewed a guy that works for a large capital firm that came from traditional capital. I was like, do you ever see the day where you could fire a joint up in the middle of a financial conversation and not have somebody freak out on you? So tell me about that. Tell me how that changes. I mean, it's not like people are going outside and, or maybe they are at EA and Disney and, and smoking a J real quick. How does um, that influence your life? <laughs> how does that, what does that look like in our life when we're able to kind of intertwine um, that acceptance to be like, we're in the middle of a meeting. Go, do you want to smoke a J? Let's go smoke a J real quick. Go outside, well, smoke a joint, come back in and keep going. I can't say we all, we do that at our company. Um, Cause like I said, there's people that smoke, there's people that don't, everybody has their role and not all of it is necessarily culture. Um, so yeah, like at work, I, uh, for me, I try, I definitely, try not to smoke uh, a lot just because uh, I need to function a certain way. Um, I like smoking more when I'm doing like creative things. Um, especially like I, I, I do, I still also, when I started here, I, I did a lot of like the creation and um, I still do some of the, like our photography and stuff like that. Um, so probably like in editing, when I'm editing a lot of that stuff kind of puts me in the zone. Um, yeah, and typically, like, um, I like doing it when I, I travel. Uh, when I travel, I, I like to always, one thing I like to find is uh, even if the weed sucks, because in most countries, the weed's not as good as here, obviously. Um, I like to go on the mission of trying to find weed. T tell me, what do you, you know, I've kind of skipped over it, but being that you're a flower slash joint guy, it's always a good question to ask. What, yep. what do you like to smoke? What strains? Like, what are your our favorites? Man, right now, um, not not as a self plug or anything, but I've been smoking like our skunk berry just because it's it's really tasty, um, and a lot of people like it, and it's just it has like a very berry smell. So I've been using that for like a um, as kind of like a regular. Um, sometimes I'll I'll I stick to like a lot of classics. Um, sometimes I I try to get some exotics and check those out, but. Uh, 
yeah like gorilla glue i always like that stuff um i and uh one thing i do miss that i used to have in miami a lot more is uh cheese i haven't seen a good cheese around for a while take note all you growers out there find the cheese get it yeah. over get it over to osiris he needs some of the cheese yeah. um yeah i mean it's it's a very like uh i think it's like a super miami strain though do you think it's because of where it's grown or why do you why do you say it's just miami is it because that's like... no i don't think it's just miami but i think it's it's like it's it's like a typical miami strain i think i huh. i when I've heard of it in other places, but I mean, in Miami, you can almost always ask for it. I think like at least, at least I've been able to No, I mean, different, <laughs> different regions, like pull on different things. I mean, you know, yeah. sour diesel, like the East coast loves sour diesel, for example. Yeah. Sour diesel is a thing there. You know what I mean? And so uh, it's like certain areas yeah. just like, you know, your point gorilla glue, it's like certain areas just smoke certain things. Kush, you know, LA is renowned for its Kush. Like everybody likes the Kush. You know, so it's it's it does get interesting when you roll up. My favorite is Durban Poison, if I can find it. You know, um, just gets me just, amped. You I'm know, a, I'm gonna put a, a quick drop. We're, we're we just we just we're about to drop that a Durban. Yeah, bro, hook me up, please. I got you. I love Durban Poison. It like when I'm gonna go work in the yard or like I'm kind of like yourself where if I'm gonna smoke, I want to be kind of ready to just chill. I don't want to have to do too much more work. And uh, if I can. You know, unless it's adventuring, I'm down to adventure high. What is that? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. If you're gonna go hike in the woods, or I love going surfing yeah. high, like the whole bit. You I know? just got into surfing. Oh, dude, yeah. we gotta hook up. Like, I'll come down and surf with you. I've been surfing for a bunch of years. That'd be fun. I gotta. I love uh, introducing people to the sport in the right way so that they enjoy it and you know it's sometimes you get yelled out a little bit out in the water so you got to be careful i don't know if i'm starting the right way i i got a short board to start good for you though a, do whatever it's a it's a foamy but i figured it'd be fine because i i do boogie boarding and i stand up on my boogie board there i was on the boogie board it's all so, about learning your core and like your rail to rail do you snowboard too you know, I, I'm, I'm good at longboarding, like downhill and a oh, few cool. things, but snowboarding, I suck. <laughs> well, it's the same core, right? It's like skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding. It's all sideways sports. So you're using kind of the middle part of your body to to surf or to skate or whatever. That's rad, dude. You should be, you have some good surf uh, down in that area. I, I like to go surfing when I'm down there with, with my friends. Where do you, tell me this, you're in, you've been involved for, you know, Let's, I'm just going to set the record straight. Five years is, is the equivalent of 50 years in any other industry. So while we may <laughs> not physically age, we're mentally aging in this space. Oh, man. Yeah. Where do you see cannabis going? Like California is going bananas. I mean, we saw dispensaries go away. We saw trap houses still exist. Like you got other states emerging. What's the play? Where are you banking? Like, would you, I think it's other states um, in addition to California. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, yeah, for sure. I think other states are going to continue to grow. I think, um, I don't, you know, a lot of people wanted to go federally, like, legal. I don't know if that's, like, I'm not, like, holding my breath for that one. Um, it might, it, you know, but there's so many variables that, like, it's hard to predict that. Um, but I think, yeah, more state, more and more states are going to just keep on going in the path that they are. We're, like um how many states are we at already like we're i think we're there's 22 pretty... that are that have like some sort of medicinal law on yeah i the feel books. like we're i think it's 16 or 15 or 16 like recreational and then probably 10 
that are really doing anything. You know, they Pennsylvania is an interesting state. You know, they they yep. they didn't let flour happen. They decided to let concentrates and edibles happen. It's like those poor that's, people. That's how Florida was. The poor people, dude. It's like give them the most like. Get them really high right out of the gate. Like, here's a concentrate or here's an edible. It's like, dude, that doesn't always work for most people. It changes. When you smoke it, it's delta-9. When you eat it, it's 11-hydroxy. So it's like your body does different things with it. And I just feel bad for those East Coasters that are having to, you know, still bootleg weed, you know, flour and because they can't get it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. I think we're just going to – I think we have to find the happy median, right? Like, regulation has been back and forth quite quite often um you know which is the big reason why people go down because it, it becomes pretty costly if you don't if you don't watch out um but even with something as simple as packaging um that's a huge investment for any company you know um but i think uh i think we're gonna find find the happy medium at some point with regulation um yeah, I don't know what the path is for, for being federal. That I think that's still really foggy. Um, but I think California and Denver are always like going to be the an example for every state to kind of uh, base their decisions off of. I mean, it seems like that's the case already um, with, with, with a lot of the states I'm seeing how, how, you know, they're like, if you look at like Massachusetts um, or I mean, um, Michigan, uh, New York has been kind of stalling. Dude, Michigan is go- it's like they're flipping a light switch out there. We're on rough, we're on rough, we're on rough. We're <laughs> open, we're not. We're open, we're not. You know, and it's just like at some point, you know, the real value I, is going to have to be, like you said, like some stability. Yeah, I think it's just there's a lot of it, it's as a politician. I don't think that that's an easy thing to to be on either side because you know. I think everybody's just scared. Like, what if my state's the one to mess up? And like, I don't want to deal with those guys. Like, there's a number of problems that have happened in certain states. So it's like, I don't want to deal with that, that, or that. So it's like, I I can see all sides of it. Like, there's a lot of people that want it, and you know, as as sad as it is, like you know, there's politicians that just, you know, that they don't, they might not want to be the one. And that's that's a that's a you know, I think that's part of the sad truth of this is is with, with uh, those back and forth states. I mean, Florida, Florida's been pushing forward, but they've gone through a lot of the same stuff that sucks. Like they started with um, no smoking, so it was just vape and edibles. Um, but then you couldn't grow, so there was no real product around. And you know, create the. It, it's interesting. I'm not sure where it's going to go, and especially with now CBD and what's happening with that, like whatever they're trying to figure out regulations for that that talk um, about something that, that just slipped through everywhere like i'm seeing cbd stores getting opened everywhere right now like it's it's a little bit interesting you know it's it's you, it's, you uh, go to your liquor store now and you could buy it you know and right next to the black rhino you know you got the you got a cbd pill now you know and it's like does that help us does that you know what's the you know i don't know it was a little shocking. I think the most recent trip I did to New York, um, I was just walking around Soho downtown and a few places, and it seemed like I couldn't turn a block and walk down an entire block without seeing like at least three businesses offer some type of CBD something. Um, so I, what scares me about that is just like being on the inside of, of – 
I've seen how cultivation runs and what it takes to have, um, you know, a safer grow and all that. And, and what it takes to be, have that much discipline is like, where's all this CBD coming from? Cause I don't know that many grows in existence. To be well, honest. I think all of Oregon and a lot of people in Colorado who, you know, they hit a ceiling on cannabis as how much they could sell. I mean, Oregon's market is, is really sometimes referred to as a race to the bottom. And, and I think yeah, a lot of those, that. a lot of those farmers are, you know, they get the opportunity to, you know, really focus on, you know, growing a product that doesn't have restrictions. Like they can ship it across state lines. I mean, you saw that bust that happened with those guys in Oklahoma. They got busted with all that, that CBD weed or hemp weed. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people are pivoting from growing cannabis in, in certain states that it's already got a saturation level. And then you kind of combine that with people's lack of education. Like I saw Amber Crombie and Fitch is going to start selling CBD now. Well, like lip balm? <laughs> I don't know, dude. But I mean, in a way, it's like... No, I've seen it in a lot of products. And the sad thing with that is a lot of the big brands I see, um, it's not even CBD. See, like I don't have a problem with CBD being out there. I mean, I think weed's awesome. Like it's, it. I mean, it, people. I, I think we should take a lot of as much precaution as we can possibly take, and and be as educated as we possibly can. But we need to be responsible with it, and also, I mean, sure, it's a. I, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty good miracle plant. I mean, it does so many things. But I think that's those are some of the things we might be missing out on is like, what else can this do besides get us high or cure some pain? Like there's a lot of like material goods that you can create out of it. Um, oh, like just building material. I mean, the thing is, is like we literally are sitting on top, you know, of a revolution. Um, people, yeah. people, and it's a global one. It's not just related to, you know, it used to be like, Oh, let's get high. Let's go to California or let's go to Colorado or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, dude, I, I've smoked a J walking down the street in Las Vegas and nobody says anything. I mean, in a state where before, if you had a roach, you were going to jail for six months. So we're literally sitting on top of a revolution and to the extent of our politicians and lawmakers, they don't even know how to handle it. There's so many chemicals that are coming out of that plant, you know, CBG, CBN, THCV, THCA, like we're getting away from what strain and how, how much THC does that have in that to like, I don't want you to, I want you to comment to that actually and more to like Terps and the other components. I mean, we used to throw out batches if they tested it, you know, like really yeah. low or whatever. Now you're like, oh man, they're a one-to-one CBD. Let's, let's go a different direction. Like talk, talk to me a little bit about how you guys are, you know, some people are blending, some brands are out there blending for experience, calm, you know, like climbing, you know, sleeping, whatever. What, how are you guys dealing with that shift from, I want, the, I want flour that's testing at 28 to 31%, which is a unicorn. And like when it doesn't even factor into how it affects the person. So, you know, we're definitely, some of our strains are in that range. Um, that means you know what you're actually, doing. It's unicorn. But also one of the things I got to say about that, that, that we maintain is uh, we don't, our, our numbers don't fluctuate. Um, batch to batch like we're pretty uh we may be off like two three points maximum if ever uh so and that's very rare so um so that's one thing and and not all of our weed is that strong because that you know not everybody needs that much um just depends on what you want it for and what you're using it for right now we're 
I can't go too into that part, but we are toying out, uh, around with some products right now that do um, touch on like feelings and vibes. Um, that's kind of an exploration thing. Uh, right now, we're definitely sticking to a lot of like um, a lot of classic strains and and a few exotics. Um, and one of the things with us is we're not because we're growing, we're not constantly pumping out different strains. Um, we typically try to perfect a strain for quite a while before we ever even put it on the market. So, um, so it's always, uh, uh, we, we put the time into like really perfecting our strains so that way they can stay as consistent as they are right now. Well, I and that's one of the biggest things we focus on is consistency. I just want to offer my services. If you need any product testing through that process, I'm glad to <laughs> no help you. I'm, I'm glad to help you out. Um, if you know, you got any extra weed that you need to know how it acts, let me know. Um, how are you, how are you going to maintain a, uh, a pivot? Like, you know, I do see that happening more and more. And actually it's funny because mm-hmm. the, the, there's a, there's a spectrum of customer, right? You have everything from those stoners slash weed head to soccer dad, who's just, you know, hasn't smoked anything since he left high school and he's 45 now. Like those people are going to be into the more feeling style or, or, entourage mood style stuff versus stoners and, and weed heads are still going to want to know the strain, the THC, the breakdown. Like how do you mm-hmm. market to both of those? Or do you even care? Do you just focus on, on what's selling for you guys? Uh, I think it's a balance of all those things. Um, you don't, you know, you don't want to overextend yourself on an effort that, that that's not going to keep your company afloat, but also you do want to provide a quality product. So for us, at least we don't, we don't speed into a lot of things that need a little more research. Um, you know, we try to, every, every product we put out, we put a lot of time into it and, and nurture and care, especially like regarding strains, you know, we don't just buy a seed or, or grow a seed and figure, you know, that this first one's going to go. Like we try to get it to a certain consistency before it comes out. Um, as far as approaching the feelings, I think that's valid. Um, and that's something that we're kind of we're, we're exploring now, but that I think that's going to take for any brand that's going to take uh, some time to understand what that even means, because that's going to take a number of, again, different skill sets, talents to um, break down the chemical breakdown to, under, to really understand what what what's a, how it's affecting people. And I don't think that we have. I don't think that those brands are doing anything wrong, but I don't know that we have the depth of research needed to fully get there yet. I think we're kind of like treading lightly on that, on, on feelings right now. But um, at some point I do think we're going to dial that in a little better than what we have. Do you still think like, you'll see like pharmaceuticals? Both... Yeah. Yeah. You'll see. I, I, that's exactly kind of where I was going in the sense that people have purchased other things a certain way, you know, and when you walk in as a new user and you go and the guy starts or the gal starts ripping out a bunch of stuff and you're like, I have no idea. I just want to know how it makes me feel. I do believe that there's always going to be a subset of customers that kind of sit in that zone. And there is. Um, but again, that, that goes to education, right? And, yeah. and really, I think figuring out a lot of this messaging, because I think before a lot of the messaging was look at this lifestyle, look how cool we are. And now it's becoming more about this is what's in our product. This is how we grow. This is, you know, I think that's part of a lot of people's narratives is starting to change a little bit. 
Um, so I, th I think it's just on educating what any of this stuff means and, and figuring out how to communicate that better. Um, and like, again, that EnviroCan like certification, that's, that's one way that you can start the, the conversation. Um, and really just in, uh, kind of talking about it more in, in, in what you tell to your people, like on, on in all, any other channels that we have, like Instagram, uh, your website, I mean, um, and really getting involved um, in a lot of these community events to kind of voice all this. Cause I mean, it's still very, um, it's becoming very big brand, but there's still a lot of, there's still like a kind of a old school aspect to it where um, there's a lot of gorilla stuff that still needs to be done. And it's, I think that's where some, some brands are really like shining is how, how much they get involved in, in the community. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a paramount component is that, you know, there's so much culture that got us to where we're at, but then like now mm -hmm. it's just going at light speed and how do we, how do we stay? You know, it's so hard to say, stay true to the roots because the roots are kind of evolving. Like nobody's growing with it's like music, you know, right? It's yeah, like, uh, like hip hop or anything like that. You know, that, that was a very street thing and you know, it, be, it became mainstream. It's literally what, how most people create a narrative is typically off hip, hip hop culture these days, high fashion streetwear, like every, almost every industry kind of takes a, a note from hip hop these days, you know? No, for certain. And I mean, there was a minute where it was, you know, it was kind of action sports was driving the boat for a minute where, you know, even in the Midwest, you saw people wearing surf, you know, boardies and t-shirts and, yep. you know, and then that faded and skate still kind of influential in the shoe market, but you're absolutely right. I think, we still have to kind of, we have a long ways to go. It seems like we've been doing this forever. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, it, it, it stokes me out to do it every day. It sounds like it stokes you out to do it every day. And, uh, yeah. you know, believe it or not, we've been doing this for about 50 minutes now. And I want to, I want to kind of be thankful of what you shared. I mean, for, for what people are going to get to hear on this one, uh, it's a great insight to how to how a brand is built or how a certain brand is managing and building itself and kind of some key points for consumers to look at like look at pay attention to what you're smoking pay attention to what goes in your body just like you would with food or, or your water or anything else and and demand that because that's really what's going to change the space is when the consumer sets the bar and the and the brands have to adhere to it Dude, tell me where we can find you personally if you want to share that. And then, of course, your company's social and uh, and then any shouts that you need to feel you need to give out. And then we'll uh, um, we'll let you get on your way. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, I guess. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, it's my name. It's Osiris Santos. Um, you'll find uh, some of my art endeavors there. Um, I do a lot of photography and creative things that I share there. Um and then our brand, you can find us at Smoke Hotbox. Um, that's our website. That's our Instagram. That's pretty much any channel that we're on. It's Smoke Hotbox. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's who we are. American Made is is our website. If you're into uh, uh, more of the business side, you can check us out there. It's American. It's American with two N's. So it's American N N made m-a-d-e i'll uh, definitely make sure i put that in the blog when we put it out and uh dude thank you so much for jumping on um it's been a pleasure to speak to you and uh 
hope to talk to you again down the road when in six months it'll feel like we were doing this for three years. <laughs> no doubt, man. Cool too. Thanks, <laughs> Osiris. All right. Thanks, man. Ciao. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.